Hey, welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church podcast, where we have conversations about leadership, we get behind the scenes of church life, and we dig into what it looks like to follow Jesus as we find our way together. Please join me in welcoming our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, we are going to have a fun conversation for anyone particularly leading in a ministry setting or, or, or in local church work, uh, because One of the banes of our existence is what we refer to as volunteer recruitment. And uh, I get to sit down with uh, one of, if not the absolute best team builder and volunteer recruiter that I've ever worked with, uh, a woman named Vicki Reimer. So Vic, uh, I know it's been a while since you've been here, but uh, I'll say welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I don't know how long it's been, at least probably two years. Oh my gosh. No, a lot longer than that. A lot Jeff. longer than that. Do you want to <laughs> give us an update on how your kind of post-COVID-ish life has been, knowing that the last time we chatted was probably pre-COVID? Yeah. Well, first of all, like for those who sort of don't know me, my name is Vicki Reimer and my husband's Wes and um, we've been married for about five years uh, this July and we have a blended family that's made up of four kids, Alex, Cam, Christoph, and Jaden. And um, I've been around Southridge now for, believe it or not, Jeff, about 21 years. Um, and I was on staff for about 10 of those years and, uh, and retired at about, um, from paid staff in about 2019. And um, yeah, since, since, uh, since retirement didn't go exactly as planned because COVID hit and um, travel was, was halted. But uh, our world didn't really slow down too much since um, many of our family members here in healthcare and their responsibilities kind of increased and their load increased. So we kind of went into survival mode like everyone else and um, ended up actually uh, purchasing and selling our home and moving down to Port Weller. About 500 meters from the big fire. Yeah. yeah we <laughs> a, yes, we did have a big fire. But we also have a beautiful path, a beautiful, beautiful path out by in Port Weller that Wes and I have discovered and um, that has led us into a new hobby and was uh, sort of a saving grace through COVID. It's where we found, sort of met with God and had our experiences with God during COVID. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Hey, you mm-hmm. mentioned the 10-year run you did on staff, enduring me on a daily basis. Um, these days, you're in a totally different uh, environment f- with regards to your ministry, Formerly, you know, you were involved in first impressions and you came on staff to lead first impressions. And then that became uh, the running of our entire ministry services department and a member of our leadership team. Talk about what you're up to these days. Well, um, it kind of uh, happened during COVID, actually. Nate Dirks, our action pastor, came and uh, spoke with me and asked if I would sort of be interested in getting involved in a new initiative that they were um, going to be starting something that we now call, now call um, community connect. And it is, um, um, it's a ministry that sort of helps folks who are in the shelter and who have, who have recently left the shelter to get connected with some of our, our church members and just form friendships. One of the things that we, we really realized during COVID was how isolated and alone many folks were, especially because all the programs had, had stopped at that time. But most of our programs at that time were larger group programs. So it was really a chance for us to sit down and actually sort of revisit if um, if this was the best way of, of 
catalyzing and helping to friendships to catalyze and uh, and grow. And we realized that um, we 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 thought that probably it needed a little bit more of a of a nudge these friendships and a little bit more of an intentionality behind it. And that led us to sort of revisiting this and and starting to match folks together a little bit more intentionally and bring um, people who were ready to be to receive friendship and folks who were ready to be in it and um, bring them together. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a really positive experience so far, and it continues to be. Yeah, one of those great, I know the trigger word was pivot, but certainly one of those great pivots uh, where the challenge of the pandemic and the uh, inability to meet as a group of any size uh, drove people to to really kind of reinvent how we did friendship that makes a difference into mm-hmm. life on life, one-on-one let's skip over the program and get people right into uh, a lifestyle level friendship with someone. And uh, you've been a real driver uh, of that since then, which kind of leads us into the conversation today, because this I would say is kind of the new, the new version in a sense of volunteer recruitment, because you're inviting people into something and it kind of frames how you, how you view all this. So let's get into this subject. Uh, I, I guess at the very beginning, because I know Vicki, when it comes to recruiting volunteers, your mind kind of works differently than I would say typical people who are trying to recruit volunteers because they start with the task that needs someone to do or the, the, the assignment that needs filling and your starting point is is different than that. Talk about where your starting point is in this subject. Um, well, first of all, I just I don't. Sometimes I wonder if it's because I come to faith later in life, and that I was just always so excited about um, just feeling privileged to be invited into something, um, especially in a community that gave was giving me so much. And I think I've just always continued to feel that way and feel that others must feel that way. So I think the starting point for me is just that it's a, it's a privilege to serve. Um, I've never felt that inviting someone in to serve was something to avoid or be uncomfortable with. Um, yeah, since coming to faith, I've always felt it was a privilege and, and not a burden. And being included in something that can sort of change lives is something that I believe most folks would really want to be a part of. So that's sort of the starting point for me. Yeah, your your starting point with volunteer recruitment isn't, to put it kind of crudely, isn't hey, can you help me? It's it's actually without saying it, it's 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 a posture of how you can help a, a person by inviting them in and offering them that kind of inclusion and belonging and opportunity to contribute because you're not starting with got to, you're starting with a, a, a get to that you experienced yourself and you feel like you're, you're sharing with someone else. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Like I just really believe that, that people just want to belong and um, yeah. And then, and then I just, when they do say no, <laughs> rather than sort of being offended, I usually in my mind, I'm just thinking, you know what, you're lost. Like I just really believe that, you know, everybody that gets involved that the when it's a privilege and when you treat it that way, that they're missing out on something pretty special. And that's okay. I, I have get lots of no's, but I also get lots of yeses, but I, I never shy away from from the ask, that's for sure. And and yeah, rather than asking them to do you a favor, you sort of view it as you're you're inviting them in or even maybe giving them an opportunity. Describe for us what again, from a sense of privilege perspective, 
what opportunity you feel like you're offering a volunteer or a prospective volunteer? Um, well, first of all, in Community Connect, obviously I'm offering them sort of a diverse sort of unexpected friendship. So um, yeah, these these volunteer opportunities offer folks friendship with someone whose life experiences have probably been a lot more difficult, many times less privileged. And surprisingly, it also is an opportunity to see how similar we all are, Jeff. Um, you know, whether we're living in a shelter or own a home or whether we have a job or haven't had a job in many years, we will struggle with the same challenges, loneliness and isolation and addiction and hope and like you said, a sense of wanting a sense of belonging. So these types of diverse, unexpected friendships sort of allow God to, to transform everyone involved. You know, God uses them to, to grow us and teach us to love in new ways, um, in the way Jesus loved, and especially how he loved those on the fringes of society. So, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I, I know, you know, you mentioned you came to faith kind of later in life and wouldn't profess to have a ton of theological training under your belt. And yet, I think you've you've also intuitively represented what I would say is the underlying theology of, of volunteerism and, and volunteer recruitment. And that is just the appreciation, really right from the beginning, that a church can't run or do its work off just a handful of contributors. And and I guess, you know, without going to seminary, how have you understood that so intuitively? How have you understood that the church, that the people of the church are supposed to do the, the work of the church or the, the work of Christ as the church? I, I think just from the beginning of just, just being told that we are the church, that we, the believers, are the church and the body and the, the hands and feet of Christ. And, you know, just in that one sentence alone, I, I take from that 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 means we all have, we've all been created to be a part of this body. All believers have been created to do something special and unique within this body when it's for it to function at its healthiest. And therefore, when I look at somebody, I don't look to see, you know, um, can they play a role? It's what role does God have for them? I already know he has a role. I just got to figure out what it is. So that's, yeah. Yeah. So you're not, you're not wondering whether this person ought to be involved no, or ought never. to belong. You're, you're assuming they do belong and they do have a role and it's more a, a, a discovery of their fit. It's, it's, it's almost like a, you know, not if, but how or when or in what way or, and it's, and it's a totally different framing. Oh, absolutely. So the question for me is, is not, do you have a role? The question is, can I help you see the role that God has for you within the church? in order to do the work of Christ. And I yeah. think when the question is presented this way, when I present it that way to myself, it's really hard for me to imagine someone who doesn't want to be a part of the body and understand how and why God wants to use them and their unique gifts. Yeah, yeah. So so let me ask then on behalf of some of our members listening, I know a lot of our members are, are you know, leaders in worship bands or in first impressions or, or you know, kids ministry. And, and, and certainly we would love to see more people uh, involved and in, and in, in contributing together with us on on our ministry teams, let alone uh, you know actual pastors or leaders from other churches that are that are tracking with this conversation. I'm wondering why, in so many cases, and this is even true at, at, at Southridge, um, and maybe even especially true with staff. Why do people 
intuitively maybe not get that and instead try to do so many things themselves? Hmm. Oh, it's a great question. I, I think there are lots of factors that create barriers um, that have folks hesitate when it comes to inviting folks in. I can't really speak for anyone, but I would, I would wonder, okay, if um, sort of the, the, the fear of rejection so if, if we don't see it the way I see it, if we don't see that we're inviting someone into our ministry is a, is a privilege, but we see it as a burden, then we will probably be more hesitant and fearful to invite them into that. If we feel like we're inviting them into something that's going to be a burden to them as opposed to a privilege. So that, that then becomes sort of this fear of rejection, okay? Um, maybe the, the fear of losing control. I think that... Um, we need to remind ourselves, and I, and I have to do this, like all of these things I have to remind myself of to um, ourselves as leaders, that they may not do it our way, um, but their way may, we have to remind ourselves their way may even be better than our way. So as long as a leader is investing and reinvesting into communicating the values and the vision of their ministry, you can hopefully multiply your teams without the fear of loss. I think we need to like, be really careful of growing teams um, and losing control if the vision and values are not clear um, or being regularly communicated to new leaders and volunteers. Like that's imperative. But if that's being communicated properly, um, you can you can sort of unleash them. Like you can yeah, unleash yeah. them. And it's it's especially important, Jeff. I will say this in a new ministry or a new initiative, and Community Connect is a great example of that. Sometimes in the beginning, you do have to hold on a bit tighter like the vision and values, it's just all sort of um, being pioneered and, and sort of you're trying to figure it all out and you, you can get off course and come back again. So you do have to be very, very careful in those times when you're letting go and because and, you can let go too early and you know not achieve what you hope to achieve um, in that. But if God is in it and you set that vision up and, and you set those values up and you're communicating them and you're owning them, um, yeah, I... I don't think leaders have to be as fearful. I don't think they have to be as fearful, but I can understand why they can hold on a bit too tight sometimes. Yeah, I really love the the observation, Vic, that that at, at at least two levels, people can be approaching volunteer recruitment and involvement in team building from a posture of fear. And you know, outside of just intuitively having a bit of a different kind of get it factor, what a difference the gospel and what a difference the person of Jesus ought to make in our hearts and minds in a, you know, I'm thinking about in the new Testament where it says there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. And if we're actually putting Jesus at the center and we're actually trying to lead in a Christ center way and pursue the primacy of his law of love, well, our default towards prospective volunteers is going to be one of love where we're going to see them in love and see their need for belonging and see their heart cry to contribute and make a difference. And, you know, it's just going to be a game changer from there if we're love driven and not fear driven. I think it's a, it's a very, very astute observation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we can not totally understand that the, the sort of the role I'll, I'm going with staff of the paid leadership in the church and the understanding when the church is at its best, you know, we need everyone contributing. And the role of our paid leaders is to multiply the saints. You know, it's our job as leaders, um, paid or otherwise in the church, is to engage and inspire believers to sort of be the hands and feet. That that, that is our role as leaders, not, not to necessarily do the task, 
but to equip others and help them multiply that to do the tasks. Well, and that kind of gets me into the next aspect, because for you, this is another piece that I feel like you intuitively resonated with. It, It was never just about the involvement. It was never just about recruiting a person, inviting them in, even in love, you know, building your team or whatever. It was about the growth and spiritual development. And I would even say the discipleship opportunity that a person had through being on your team. Like you didn't just believe this was kind of good for them in a a one shot way, but that they were actually going to grow and become different people. So talk to us a little bit about how getting involved, at least in a ministry that you're leading, how getting involved grows someone spiritually. Um, well, I think like when we choose to serve, even when we're uncomfortable or fearful or we're uncertain, we're taking sort of a step of obedience, you know, and when we take steps of obedience, I really believe that God honors that and he walks with us and blesses us. Um, it becomes less about like sort of your individual success, Jeff, or your, or your failure and more about like following God's will. So, um, it's kind of like, have you ever done something and failed, but sort of still felt like you did the right thing by trying? I think that's how obedience works with God for me anyway. Like to, I take a step of obedience. I check my heart. I don't worry about success or failure as much anymore. And I leave the rest up to God. Just take that step. Like, you know, I think Mother Teresa said it best. God calls us to be faithful, not successful. Um, Just take a step. Just take a step and watch what God does. Watch how he grows you. I'm wondering in a, in a, maybe a real life story, you know, you, you were leading in a paid position and even part of our senior leadership team for almost a decade and now continue to be, you know, right on the front lines of, of ministry leadership. Can you give an example of where you've seen just really significant gains in someone's faith, not just in their skill development, but in their actual like following of Jesus, understanding of Jesus better because their volunteer involvement? Um, yeah, I think like a story of Jesus sort of affecting someone, I mean, a great story would be like even Carol Taylor, who I've been a leader with for, for many years. And I don't think she'd mind me using her name, but I mean, we served in first impressions, um, for years. And I knew that, I know that that grew her and it grew her, her, her closeness to Christ and, and her reliance on God. And even Carol, I have now, um, invited in to be part of Community Connect with us. And just recently, you know, she said, I've been brought to tears lately. I've been brought to tears because it it just feels like I'm seeing and experiencing God at work um, in the lives of our friends in the shelter and our church community like never before. So even somebody that's as far along and has had a, a strong faith for as long as Carol has is, is seeing God changing her and changing and growing her and bringing her closer to him to tears, actually, as she's sitting there saying this. This is somebody who's been around for so, so long. But watching these friendships develop and watching the difference that it makes and and almost like it's almost like your eyes are open for the very first time again. And yeah, that's. So I'll ask for, for someone who who might be listening and has been very nominal. Uh, in their local church involvement at Southridge or, or, or somewhere else, how would you feel like their faith experience might be missing out or maybe even stifled by their lack of engagement, lack of kind of determining their fit with their gifts and passions and their uh, kind of contribution in that in that more specific way? Um, 
I think first and foremost is just that they miss out on the gift of community serving together. That, that changes, that changes and learning together, loving together, even during, you know, sort of difficult times, you know, our faith grows, um, even when our ministry is having challenges, even when our teams are having challenges, even when we've, you know, we're stretching ourselves. Um, we know that's when we lean into to God um, to a greater degree. So um, you're missing out on that. You're missing out and you're just staying still. That's that's the best way I could describe it. You're just yeah. staying still. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I want to kind of wring every ounce of wisdom out of you in this, in this conversation. So I want to get practical for someone who really has been a star in in this kind of recruitment, invitation, inclusion, team building, whatever. Um, aside from these perspectives, aside from just looking at it, seeing it differently, are there any like practical tips that you'd provide to to help you know kind of a garden variety ministry leader, let alone a pastor? sit down for coffee and be in a conversation where they're going to recruit a, a volunteer. What are some kind of definitely do's or maybe some definitely don't do's? Um, I have a few. I have a few. So I, I would start with, like we've talked about, I've talked about already, know and own the vision and values of your ministry. Like understand the gifts, the character traits required for the roles you're inviting folks into and look for folks who exude those traits. Start there. Share what you're looking for and learn more about our community. Like spend time with folks in your community. You, you can only invite somebody into something if you know them. And somebody asked me recently, well, you know, what happens if you don't know them? Well, find somebody who does. Find someone who does and sit with them. Find somebody who, who somebody else says, oh, you know, they'd be great in this ministry and ask to, to sit down, three of you. Um, ask yourself if, you'd, if you would want to be part of your ministry. If you're, uh, you know... Um, if you are not already involved in your ministry that you're working in, would you want to be involved? Because if not, um, I'd ask yourself why and what needs to be done to improve the current state of your ministry. Don't be afraid to say that and don't be afraid to sit down and, and regroup. Um, recruiting is a, is a key component of growing ministry to do God's work. But- it's interesting just to interrupt how, how, how significant just the practicality of having a pre-relationship actually is, because it feels like if, if, if you feel like you can do effective ministry recruiting, you know, envisioning a person in the ministry, inviting them in for belonging and spiritual growth and all these things, if you feel like you can do that without any relationship, you're kind of communicating to that person that relationship isn't going to matter in this equation. And that's right. what they're ultimately joining in. They're ultimately exactly. joining in for the community. And so if there's not any, any pre-connection and relationship, then they're assuming this doesn't matter or doesn't include that. And you've kind of lost them from the get-go. Exactly. Because there's no trust established. If you can, if you can talk to a person and say a little bit about what you know about them and what you've heard about them and what you see in them. And, you know, if, if you can see somebody and they feel known even before the conversation starts, you know, or the invite is asked like, wow, like that's, that's going to certainly be a game changer. So, um, and keeping volunteers engaged is huge. Um, I know we're talking about recruiting right now, but, you know, continuing to look at your ministry and make sure that it's running well and, you know, continue that regroup that we talked about. Um, we can assume that we got this up, this ministry up and running and the system's running smooth. Um, but, but it, it doesn't stay that way. We, we need to continue to regroup to make sure that our ministry is healthy. And that's, that's really important and being flexible, making sure that, um, each individual is in a different season of life. 
And most folks don't want to disappoint a leader or ministry team. So the greatest gift we can give a new volunteer is to understand where they're at and hold on loosely to the expectations that we have for them and be ready to pivot like we've been doing and change when, when necessary. Like don't lose good people because of being too rigid with expectations. Mm-hmm. Revisit it, look at it again and say, how can I not lose this great person in this particular season that we're in? If someone's asking you what the most important ingredient or contributor is to getting a yes out of a prospective volunteer, what would you say that is? Knowing people and allowing them to feel seen and needed. Yeah, not the not the ministry task or the function to perform, but how you are connecting with the actual person. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. if you know them, then you can share the difference that you know that they're going to make and the impact that they're going to have before they even do sometimes. Yeah, oh, that's great, Vic. Hey, um, you know, think back either through these last few years in Community Connect and even during COVID, or you know, back when you were leading operations or before that ministry services, what would you say has been the most gratifying part for you personally of being an equipping leader more than a I'll do everything myself kind of leader? Oh, I, I just, this is going to sound like a, a weird answer, but it's the truth. Like when I when I watch somebody, I'll use Carol as an example. When I watch somebody who we've, you know, equipped and sat with and vision and values is getting understood and we're moving along and, and that person I'm having in a conversation and they start to call me out on saying, you know, we're making a decision and they, and they look at me and say, I don't really think that's in line with our values and our vision of what we're doing, but I have another idea. Jeff, there's, there's nothing sweeter than that. Like to me, that's, that's everything. That's, when I look and say, oh my goodness, not only do they do they understand and get what we're trying to do, they're now ready to move forward and and multiply that because of of where they're at and, and how they understand that. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, the, the theological underpinning of being an equipping leader and doing volunteer recruitment or whatever is this this concept that the work of the church ought to be done by the people of the church. The work of the church ought to be done by the people of the church. The technical language is the priesthood of all believers. That's what it's called. And it it presumes that every follower of Jesus, because Jesus played the role of the great high priest and mediates between God and people, that believers now in Christ's behalf can be, in that sense, little priests to each other. And mm-hmm. every believer can mediate a, a degree of, of Jesus to each other. And so... I love the way that you're describing this rather than a food chain where you as a leader invite some, you know, follower, volunteer, whatever in to perform a bunch of perfunctory tasks for you. No, this is actually the gratifying part is when they get involved and they're able to be as much Jesus to you and other people as you have the opportunity to be to them. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all taking responsibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've talked about Carol Taylor a couple of times. Any other examples in your mind, just off the top of your head, of when Jesus really affected someone significantly, maybe, you know, in an instant or over the course of years or even decades, <coughs> excuse me, through their volunteer involvement? Where have you seen volunteer involvement, like, really transform a person in the, the way of Jesus? Oh, 
Jeff, this is so hard. I mean, I used Carol's name already. So there's, there's so many names I could use, but you know, like to be honest, Jeff, like my life, <laughs> like what the opportunities that I was given by the people of this community. Um, that's one of the reasons that I'm able to, to give others the same opportunity. I saw what it did in my life. I saw what, you know, the inclusion that I felt and the opportunities that I was given for somebody who didn't grow up in the church, that, um, that I was heard, that I was listened to, that I was respected, that, that I made mistakes, that I was uncomfortable and fearful and unsure. And, and, you know, not only did, did, you know, all of you as, as leaders, you know, allow me to, to just work through that. Um, I could feel God moving along with me and every opportunity that I felt I took a step of obedience and was faithful, God would give me, you know, more responsibility, even when I sometimes didn't think I wanted it. So, um, the, my story allows me to, to do the same for others. And I see it repeating itself over and over again. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember in the early days when you were kind of just kicking the tires of faith and checking out church and, you know, bringing all kinds of questions and even struggles and stuff as the, really the, the bookkeeper for one of our, one of our members. Yeah. That's kind of where this started. And, you know, to, to watch you, you know, not just blossom in your gifts and leadership, but watch you blossom in your confidence, watch you blossom in your passion and your understanding of, of Jesus and his heart, his values, watch you, you know, learn in increasing ways. I mean, you're a compassionate, caring person, but watching you learn how to live in a way where, you know, love is most primary. I mean, you know, you can go on and on and, and say, Hey, part of this conviction, part of this, this deep sense of the potential of what Jesus can do in others is probably out of your own experience. I, I, I would agree in saying like, you know, look at how far Jesus has brought me through being yeah. able to be an active participant in his work in the world. Not just to be, I say this often, not just to be overwhelmed by the privilege of being his rescued and forgiven child, as outrageous as that is. We just celebrated that you know, a week or so ago at Easter but also to be included as a co-worker, to be included as a partner with him and with other people in his eternity altering kingdom building plan for the world. I mean, it, it really is overwhelming if you take a step back and think that Jesus plan A, you know, was intended to rest on people like you and me, <laughs> knowing where we've come from. Like it, it, it really is kind of outrageous. And yet it's, it's extraordinary to watch what Jesus does in us as he, as he works through us. So and look exactly. around, so, just, just yeah. look around because there is, you know, when I started Community Connect, seeing the folks that were out there that weren't connected to folks in our shelter, seeing the gifts and the hospitality and um, um, just the way that they, they, the servant's heart that they had, I knew they were out there they, and I knew they heard the same message as I did for the past 10 years, that friendship makes a difference. So that just left me with like, all they need is an invite. It didn't, it didn't make my job that hard. <laughs> Yeah. Any, um, as we wrap up, any, any kind of final thoughts, anything we didn't talk about that, that would allow you to just encourage or maybe even challenge both Southridge members and other leaders who are listening when it comes not just to effective volunteer recruitment, but, but kind of bringing the most 
out of the potential of the people around you to do the work of Christ together? Just just to keep reminding yourself that that God has placed you in the role that you're in, um, not just to get work done, but to get more work done, uh, more of his work done, um, just through investing in people in order to grow and impact, um, to grow the impact that we as believers have within our ministry community and hopefully the surrounding area, Jeff. Like just invest in understanding the importance of why you do what you do within your ministry and being able to communicate that clearly and then step out and get to know our community. We have amazing people in our community and so, so many people I, I really believe are just waiting for the, the time and it might not be this time, but then ask again. It might not be that ask from you, but then get someone else to ask. Because I, I do believe that when you see those gifts and you can see them and you know that they'll change your ministry, just don't stop. Like, you know, God, God will do, he will do his work, but we still have to reach out and invite people into this. So yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Vicki, thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having appreciate, me, Jeff. Appreciate you sharing your experience and we're cheering you on in Community Connect and, and uh, all around our St. Catharines location and beyond. So Really appreciate you and all that you are and do in our in our church family. It's fantastic. Thanks. I love our community. And uh, to all of you who are tracking with us today, thanks for being here. We'll see you in about seven days' time as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Bye.